Hi, I'm Jeff Parasram. I'm the Associate Artistic Producer at Theatre Pass Marive. Thanks for downloading, streaming, tuning in, or however you're accessing this podcast. This is the newly titled Beyond Walls podcast. It's uh, here just to keep you connected to all the activities that we've got going on at Theatre Pass Marai and, uh, well, beyond. Today we're bringing you an Egg Rolls with Andy podcast, recorded live at Theatre Pass Marai Backspace, where Caught, a new play by TPM resident Jordy Mand, is currently playing just until April 24th. This time around, PJ Carpenter and Meek with Fairbrother sat down with Andy to take a look into the everyday operations of loss prevention officers. Now, if, like me, you'd never heard of the term loss prevention officer, well then, listen in. Good evening. My name's Andy McKim, Artistic Director at Theatre Pass Marine. Welcome to this evening's Egg Rolls. And uh, my guests tonight at COT are... P.J. Carpenter, who's immediately on my right, and Miguel Fairbrother, who's on my extreme right. P.J. is a former loss prevention officer who worked in Winnipeg for four or five years before becoming a trainer for loss prevention officers. And Miguel Fairbrother plays the police officer in the play you're going to see this evening, and he's the fellow who arrives to arrest the young shoplifter who's been caught by the loss prevention officer. And because Miguel is not in at the top of the show, he doesn't mind joining us. That's right. <laughs> because he comes in halfway through. So you have him to look forward to when you see the show tonight. Um, so uh, I'm interested in exploring the world both of uh, loss prevention officers and what their protocols and work is, and also who they encounter in their work. So who are the people who are shoplifting? When you see the play tonight, there are three characters. One is a young fellow who's fairly privileged, who's a shoplifter, and then a loss prevention officer who catches him, and then the police officer who comes to arrest him. And uh, so I was interested in looking at the practical side of the story, but also maybe near the end of our discussion, we might dig a little bit into some issues of justice and uh, privilege. We'll see if we have enough time for that. So let's go back to the beginning. Uh, was I right four to five years? As a uh, loss prevention five and a half. Yeah. Five and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all, where were you a loss prevention officer? It wasn't in Toronto. Uh, when it, uh, no, Toronto too. The last Toronto? year. The uh-huh. last year, but uh, the first five years were in Winnipeg. Uh-huh. Yeah. And what sort of store was it that you were in? Uh, the majority of them were grocery chain stores, Safeway, Food Basics. Uh-huh. Uh, eventually, we moved out to HMV and clothing stores. And, uh-huh. Yeah. So you you kind of did a whole range of them. Pretty much all of them. Yeah. 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 And were any of them large department stores? Um, no, they had in-house like Walmart, Bay, Sears. They had right. their own in-house loss prevention officers. So we were contracted out to, I guess, the smaller. Safeway, the groceries change stores. Yeah. Yeah. So you were working for a firm that hires yes. out your services? Yeah. Uh-huh. So did you know where you were working every day? Uh, we knew two weeks in advance our shift. Um, Safeway, Tuesday would be H&B, Thursday would be Shoppers Drug Mart. Uh-huh. Um, Friday would be um, a gas station. Uh-huh. Hmm. Yeah. So 
do you get some sort of training so that you know what environment oh, yeah, you're going yeah, into? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's that like? What's the training? Uh, it's a whole week training. Uh, basically, they train you to uh, know the rights and know the laws and how to detain someone, how to arrest someone properly, how to not violate their rights. Uh huh. Because the first thing you learn is everyone has rights and you can't violate those rights because everyone's watching. Right? right. Yeah. So what's the synopsis of those rights in a um, simple list? Basically just treating them as they're human. Yeah. Because um, once you're detained by a police officer or security guard, a lot of people feel that they're less than human. I mean, mm. right. that was the first thing we were trained was to make sure that they were treated with respect. And, right. Uh, yeah, not basically treating them less than what they were. Right. Yeah. Uh, Miguel, maybe you can talk about any research you did about police officers compared to loss prevention officers and treating people with respect. Presumably, it's the same deal for a police officer when it comes to how you handle the people that you're encountering. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I mean, I guess in any profession you have uh, any range of people uh, of course, working in, right you know you have uh, you have your jerks and you yeah. have your nice people <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's kind of it right and so um, I, th I think like uh, PJ was saying that, uh, that you know I did the research but uh, but I just I'm going with the human aspect you know is, is somebody treating me you're treating me with respect, then mm -hmm. I'll give you respect. You right. know, right. Um, uh, I have been <laughs> in situations when I was younger where I did get arrested, yeah. and I was in, and I was not nice, yeah. and so I was treated not nicely. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, if you're in a situation you're speaking nicely, then you're gonna receive that back. You know, so yeah, it's case by case basis, I would say. So what I was interested in is you're going store to store. Do you are you trained in the particular store you're going to? So the protocols you're talking about have to do with being a loss prevention officer, but mm -hmm. is there differences between stores that you go to? Oh, definitely, the locale. Um, uh -huh. uh, depending on where the store is located, uh, what uh, major, I guess you want to say race, is living around that area, is right. what is going to steal from that area. Because right. people always steal where they're comfortable. Uh -huh. Unless you're a booster, you would want to go to stores where you're going to make money, right? But okay, if you're, a, boost, wait, a booster. A booster is someone that steals professionally, that does it for out of necessity. You know, they need to. That that's their way of living. That's their way of life. Right. That's how they make their their money. And then there's people that just steal just for the hell of it. And what's the percentage usually that you find? Um, uh, pretty even. Fifty fifty. Fifty fifty. So the booster is going to be from away, as far as the neighborhood's concerned. Yes. And they'll and probably have a car. Or they'll have a car. Getaway yeah. Getaway car, yeah. Really? And then, you know, the small stuff, the small odds and ends would be people that live around the area, within walking distance of the store. Right. <laughs> and uh, how often, on a given shift, would you be apprehending someone? Uh, we had a quota, one per shift. You had a quota? One, one per day. Yeah, um, within a week you'd want four to five arrests per week, and if you weren't miss, if you weren't hitting that quota within a month, you'd have to go back to retraining, and then we'd want to find out, you know, like are you doing your job properly? Are right. you huh. giving yourself away? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so take us through what a day's like. Mm -hmm. You arrive. How are you dressed? How do you? Oh, I'm just dressed uh, depending on the store. Uh -huh. If I'm like, let's say Winnipeg is northern Winnipeg, so it's the population is 90% native. So I would right. dress 
uh, within the area, you know, like ripped jeans, you know, clothes that weren't. And then if I was in St. Patel, which is, you know, the the richer area, yeah, I would try and dress appropriately. Right. Yeah. So you're going to dress like a customer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't wear no uniform, no nothing, just try and blend in. Right. <laughs> and so then you arrive at the store. What, mm-hmm. how, how do you proceed from there? I typically like to... Do you have like a to, place you go to first? I do a first walk around the store. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I do a walk around. I do a layout of the store to find out what would be a hot ticket, hot ticket item, where it's located, where the exits are, uh-huh. how many exits. Yeah. Yeah. So if I was you watching you, I'd know that you were a shoplifter because you're checking everything out. Yeah. Um, is that, is well, that what I, you're going to look like? Kind of, but I do it you know, not nonchalantly, I guess you could say. Because you know what you're doing. Yeah. And you yeah. know how to get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> presumably the shoplifter's looking at you like you're looking at them. Yeah. And, well, I, in my younger days I used to shoplift, so I... <laughs> it's easier to, it was easier to catch them. I, I knew what I was looking for. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... Which I'm not proud of, so... <laughs> That goes without saying. That's yeah. a caveat. Do sure. do the uh, do people do some of the workers uh, know that you were a, a loss prevention officer, or right. do so, or just the manager? You know what I mean. Uh, it was always just the manager. Okay. Yeah. So not even the the cashiers. No, the cashiers and... didn't know because the first hour we were watching employees. Uh, only yeah. watching employees. Yeah. So the, as soon as we got there, we were watching cashiers. So they don't... Managers. We were finding out. You know, we were keeping tips on everybody. Really? Yeah. And how often would you catch employees? Uh, we could catch them fairly quickly, often, yeah. Uh, the most really? typical one was sweethearting. Uh, what we call when a cashier has got a boyfriend or a friend coming through the cashier and they're like, oh, uh-huh. okay, you know what, I just won't scan that item. I won't scan that yeah. item. Or, you know, when the till opens up, I'll give you a little bit more, you know, like. Right. That is uh, theft from inside, that's what we call. Yeah, sweethearting. Yeah. Sweethearting, that's what we call it. <laughs> so, how often would you catch someone doing that? Uh, quite often. It was pretty sad. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, we caught, I caught one lady. She had been stealing $5, $10 every day. And then when we finally interrogated her, she admitted to doing it for over a 10-year span. So, you can just imagine every day, 5 or $10. And you're going back 10 years. So, seriously. Yeah. And no one had caught her. No, until I had went, to, I had went behind her, just fluke luck behind her husband, and you know, I caught it. Uh, and this is I felt bad, and like she was yeah. high up there too. So. Oh. <laughs> so, you apprehended her in that moment? Oh, yeah. As soon as the money was exchanged, her husband didn't even leave the story. I just grabbed, walked up behind her and I said, okay, sorry, you're under arrest. Placed her in handcuffs and walked her upstairs. Okay, so then take us through this part. So, uh, fraud is different than theft. If you're committing okay. fraud, you don't take even have to leave the store. Of course, yeah. right. But theft, you have to wait till they leave the store. Okay, well, yeah. maybe we'll go to theft then and yeah. take us through what happens, how you find someone and then what you do once you think you've found someone. Uh, once I find a proper suspect that I know would steal, uh, I keep a distance between one or two, maybe 20, 30 feet. And yeah. then uh, I keep continu- continuity through the entire process. Mm-hmm. And I follow them. I, sometimes I would even go through the cash register right behind them 
to make sure he didn't pay for that one object. Right. And then I would wait until he walked right out those second Sorry, doors. Sorry, I'm going to stop you. So is it usual practice that people will pay for some things and not others? Yes. That's a usual... Typical, yes. Yeah. Typically, people, when they walk through, they'll steal one or two objects, go through the cash register, pay for what they have, and then walk out. So people don't often just brazenly walk out. Uh, yeah, those are the boosters. Those are the, okay. those are the boosters. Those okay. are the pros that come in, fill yeah. what up. And okay, and so we're back to this yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. You're behind them at the cash. And, oh, yeah. And then after they've gone through, you know yeah, on well, the other side of the cash? Is that when you grab them? or? Uh, no, uh, once they didn't pay for what they had concealed, yeah. I would wait until they walked, left the store, and then I would apprehend them and walk them back in. Okay. And, and then 9 out of 10, the cashiers are like, oh, my God, that guy shops here for like 10 years. Really? No. And also their cashiers are finding out who you are at that point because they didn't know it until then. Presumably. Yeah, like... I would try and wait. I would try and watch the cashiers and the right. store managers for the first hour. But yeah. if I knew I had a guarantee shoplifter, I would just focus on mm. shoplifter. But I'm saying the staff wouldn't know that you're... No. Until you apprehended someone, they wouldn't know that you're working. And then when they did find out, they would shuffle me off to another store. Gotcha. They would come and some, someone else would come in. Okay, so you've, you've apprehended them. Then where do you go? Uh, I did team store. I did a little area like this in the back of the store. What was your first response when you saw the set? Oh, I was like blown away. I was like <laughs> going away back like 10 years ago. <laughs> Including you said the, the Oh yeah, we always had a, we always tried to keep a camera on, on the, the suspects. And what's the camera for? Um, for liability. For you? Uh, for, for the store and for us too yeah. at the same time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then you're in here, you're with the suspect. Mm -hmm. What do you go through? Um, suspects always, always try and negotiate. At first, they try and tell you why they did it, why they're doing it, you know, and then they try and reason with you and then they try and get on your good side. Yes. And then when that fails, they can turn either hostile or they can turn just shy and timid and shut up and wait until the cops get there. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. you know, there's, uh, once you get them back here, they're fairly, fairly compliant. You know, usually. Usually, I have had a few that got pretty violent, and yeah. mm -hmm. I had no choice but to subdue them and do my best to so detain them until. Part of your work is actually touching people, uh, constraining people. Oh yeah, the first part of the training is to know how to defend yourself, right? Because mm -hmm. you all, because you never know. I've I, had knives, guns pulled on me, you name it. Yeah. Seriously. I remember, uh, maybe you can speak a bit to uh, your story about uh, the, your, one of your trainers, Rick Green. Do you remember? Oh, Rick uh, Green. Yeah. yeah, well, there was like earlier on in, when you were being trained, uh, uh, Rick Green showed you some moves yeah. of how to subdue somebody who was going to pull a weapon, right? Yeah, I had never seen a knife pulled in my life. Right. But when the guy pulled the knife and I was on like my second day at work, no. second day, second day on the job, he showed me how to uh, flip him over, put him in an R bar, and then he wouldn't let go of the knife. So he had no choice but to break his wrist and break his arm in two different places. So how would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> so physically, you sort of know if someone's coming at you physically, how to deal with that. You, yeah. may, you may be skilled or not, but you still kind of have an understanding of how to deal with it. But coming at you emotionally with all the stories, that sounds where, like where my weak point would be. People telling me stories, trying to undermine mm. oh. my commitment to the job by telling me stories. 
Oh. How did you deal with that? Were you you had to be to... cold. You had to be stone cold. I had people cry and bawl and tell me I have to go. I can't go. I can't stay. You know, yeah. like no, like you're caught. That's it. You're done. You're 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 going to jail. <laughs> so it was clear to you, black, white. It's yeah. No your... race. No age. No no nothing. Like yeah. once Young, once I caught you, yeah. you were yeah. Yeah, I only let one person go ever in my entire lifetime. And do you want to tell us about that? Oh yeah, sure. I remember his name. His name was Leo. <laughs> I was a young couple. Uh, they kept coming into Safeway every week, you know, buying groceries and uh, using coupons and the typical Aboriginal family. I could tell that they were young. They had a lot of kids and they didn't have a lot of money. So one Friday, Leo come into the store and he just had this look on him. As soon as he walked into the store, I could tell, you know, he's going to steal. And he was standing, he was going up and down the baby aisle. Should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I do it? And sure enough, he grabbed two big things of diapers and two cans of baby milk. And he stood by the exit and he was deciding, should I go? Should I go? And, but, but by that time, I was already outside. I was simply just waiting for him. And sure enough, he come walking out and he just dropped dead when he seen me standing outside. I said, sorry, buddy. You're under arrest. Yeah. And uh, he was attempting to run. I said, don't run. I said, I'll chase you. Yeah. And I said, uh, and then he started, and he broke down in tears right then and there. And he said, my babies are at home, home alone. And he said, I cannot stay here. He said, my two-year-old and my little six-month-old are at home, home alone. Baby mama has been gone for a few days. And he had no money. He had no one to watch the kids. And, you know, he did what he had to do. He needed diapers, he needed milk, and I said, okay, you leave a bag of diapers and a bag of milk under this car. I said, you come in with me right now. I said, I can't let you go because the manager's right there. Right. I said, you come in with me, I'll bar you from the store, I'll do up the paperwork, and then I'll let you go. And then he complied. So he threw a baby milk, baby diapers under the car, came inside, mm -hmm. wrote them up, let him go, and within a week, I was arresting another uh, gangbanger. He had Manitoba on one side, Warrior on the other side, a big, you know, really nasty looking guy trying to arrest him in the parking lot. And guess who was walking down the street with his baby mama? No. You know, just he come barreling across the street. He helped me detain the guy. He helped me hold him down. You know? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Karma. I, yeah, believe, I believe in karma. Yeah. And uh, his, like, he didn't even have to sell me because I knew his story. Like, yeah. coming Aboriginal, like, yeah. I knew... Like I knew yeah. he was telling me the truth and yeah. you know, that was the only one guy I ever let go. <laughs> now, part of what the story touches on is um, the existence of privilege, maybe the lack of justice that's equitable, social in our society. You're confronting that every day with this work. I, I, this is maybe a bad thing to throw in, but. The last couple of days we've been gripped by the news about the Panama Papers. Mm. All of these people from around the world who are finding ways to elude social justice, to elude the responsibility for being citizens within the countries that, mm -hmm. that they uh, uh, are participating or inhabiting. Um, and here we're talking about someone taking baby milk and yet you're prepared to hold the line in that context so you must have wrestled a lot with issues yeah. of justice and i was risking my job i mean i was at that point i was prepared to lose my job over his need that specific story you was yeah job. and that was the one guy i let go and i even told him i said you know i'm willing to lose my job 
but if I find out you're lying to me. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> and then he's like, no, you know, I swear up and down, you know, my kids are at home, I need to go home. And I said, okay. I said, but the flip is, if you don't do your job, you lose your job. I lose my job, yes. Right. At that so, point, I had already applied for the Winnipeg Police Force, so, you know, like I was, you know, uh -huh. I, I needed my job. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And is it typical, now that you brought up applying for the Winnipeg Police Force, it brings us back into the world of the play, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, does Which it, I have to get You have to go soon. now? I have okay. to get going soon, but if you have a question really quickly. No, no, please, okay. you've got to change. Okay. So <laughs> we'll be done in a couple of minutes. Uh, yes. Um, is it normal then that people in uh, this job, the loss prevention job, have their eye on police officer job? Typically, yes. It's either they were police at one point, yes, or they're moving into that field, and that was the field I was moving into. Right. Yeah. And here in Toronto, you said you worked. So where did you work in Toronto? I was mostly HMV, uh, the mall. I worked in Eden Center a lot. Uh -huh. um, so what can you tell us about the profile of shoplifting in Eaton Center? Anything? Is there a profile to shoplifters? Anybody. Anybody can be a shoplifter. So when you look at a crowd, you can't tell from looking at a crowd. No, I judge on their someone. eyes. Uh -huh. A shoplifter will always give you by their eyes. Because a shoplifter is always looking who's watching them. So I judge on who's looking at who, who's looking at the cameras, who's looking at, you know, I judge on someone's eyes, Yeah, you know. And are you ever surprised at the people who are shoplifting who don't really need the goods that they're boosting? Oh yeah, at least How half. How often does that happen? 50-50, at least half of them don't need it. And there are youth that, you know, I've arrested and it's so frustrating. And they're like, like, ah, oh, my dad's not gonna do anything. My dad will let me go, you know, it's a little, slap on their wrist, they don't care. And then, uh, you know, like, what do you do? Like, my hands are tied. I've got this kid in handcuffs, you know, and he's not afraid. Yeah. He's not afraid of the cops. He's not afraid of nothing because he knows his dad will bail him out. His mom will bail him out. He knows his parents. He has a support system, so he's not afraid. And do you know that that's what will happen? Yeah. It is. And there's a times where I've caught a few teenagers three times in a row, you know, like finally the third time and he goes, I want you to call my, my parents. And these kids know the law and they know I have to contact their parents before I contact anybody else. So some of the, some kids are smart, right? They know, they know the ins and outs. That's amazing. Oh yeah. It's, and it's frustrating too. <laughs> I'll bet it is. Um, it's time for us to conclude our conversation. I think this is a perfect note to end on because you've brought us right back to the world of the play, I think. Mm -hmm. when you talk about arresting young fellows who maybe don't need what they're stealing. And yeah. that might put us back into the world of this, this play that we have here tonight. Thank you so much All right. for coming and chatting. Thank you for having me. Okay, thank you. That was Andy McKim in conversation with PJ Carpenter and Miguel Fairbrother at Egg Rolls with Andy for Cot. Cot plays just until April 24th. 
which is pretty soon, so don't miss it. The play is written by Jordy Mand, directed by Sarah Garten Stanley, with dramaturgy by Andy McKim. It stars Jacob Eamon, Miguel Fairbrother, and Sabrin Rock. The production design is done by John Thompson, assisted by Elizabeth Trikas. Sound design by Debashis Sinha. Assistant director on the show is Donna Michelle St. Bernard. The fight direction is by Richard Lee. The script coordination was done by Richard Young. Production manager on the show is Jason Galinsky, with assistance from Christopher Ross. The music you're listening to here, the outro track, the intro track, same track, it's by Lion Smith. It's the theme from L. Thanks very much for listening to this now titled Beyond Walls podcast. I'm Jim Paris for him. We'll see you at the show.